knew you guys are here after Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, eight days of Sukkot, and then last night. So we have a minion, thank you. Last night was Simchat Torah. What did we do? We danced, we drank a little bit, we watched the giants win, <laughs> and we unfurled the entire Torah scroll as Jews have done for thousands of years because we began the process of reading anew this sacred text that guides our lives. And so what is tonight? It's Shabbat Bereshit, the beginning. And we immerse ourselves in that new beginning. We engage with the stories of our creation. We go back this Shabbat to Gan Eden, to the Garden of Eden, and even before, to the moment when that which we call God, an artist par excellence, decides to make us. Nase Adam, verse 26 of the first chapter of these books of Genesis reads, and I love the rabbinic conversation that follows, because those rabbis believe that every word of the Torah is written with the purpose of, of opening gateways of understanding. And they jump at that verse, Nase Adam, and besides raising the obvious question as to why God speaks in the plural, saying, let us make humanity, wondering who the we is that God is addressing, they also take a moment to consider the question whether or not God is asking a question. Adam, Should we make this thing humanity? Does this creation necessitate our existence? So how should we understand that plural na? Well, what's a common rabbinic understanding? One commentary says, oh, you've been to England. It's the royal we speaking, <laughs> with the deity addressing God's self. Another approach taken by the rabbis is that God is speaking to those people we talked about when we sang Shalom Aleichem. Who's that? The angels. The angels are already there. And each angel represents a value, an ideal, that God might include in our being. And so there's an angel of truth, of justice, of mercy, of kindness, and of love. Yes, the rabbis believed in angels. Even the super-rationalist Maimonides talked about gravity and reason and these things that permeate existence, that those really are angels too. And so what happened? The Midrash says that God asked the angels, and they're Jewish angels. So what do they do? It's like a board meeting. They debate. <laughs> They become engrossed in the debate, so greatly engrossed about whether or not we should be created that at a certain point God says, look, you've talked about the good and the bad, and they keep debating. So as the tumult ensues, without a definitive response, God decides to go ahead and take a chance on us, that maybe we'll bring more good than bad, and so brings us into being. Na'aseh Adam, I want to introduce another possibility of what this could mean. Who is being addressed? Who is the focus of this question about our creation? 
The rabbis and theologians struggle with the idea of an all-knowing God. And if God knows everything about how creation will unfold, then how can we have free choice? And so one possibility that posits an answer to this conundrum is that we're being addressed. Shall we, with God, make us? Now Martin Buber, in his response to the Holocaust, teaches that how could the Holocaust happen? How could evil be present? He says, maybe we humans with our ego caused an eclipse of God, the way the moon uh, blocks the sun, so we block God's presence. And I want to take that and reverse that. With that in mind, maybe, maybe when it came to creation, God decides to cause an eclipse of the self and, and make an unknown for God's self. Maybe cover, if you will, the internal eye of discernment and make room for us to determine our own destiny. And this is similar to the Lurianic idea of Simsum, that God contracts in order to make room for us, for we who are not God. Then who's the we that's being addressed? Well, God is asking you to be a part of the creative unfolding of existence, saying that we have decisions and choices to make about who we are and who we will be. We are therefore active participants in our own creation. When we pursue more knowledge, when we learn from our mistakes, when we work on who we are as people, as partners, as citizens, as friends. God blocks a little bit. And like that bumper sticker I like to see on cars now and then that states, forgive me, God's not done with me yet. Well, we are always still forming and making ourselves while inviting that which we call the holy to be a part of our creation. This is how I explain the tree of knowledge that's in the same Parsha in the Garden of Eden. I think God leaves the tree there on purpose that we might taste of the fruit of knowledge and start our own process going forward, bringing our knowledge into the world. What's the punishment that Adam and Eve get, by the way? It's really not a punishment if you read it carefully. It's written with a bit of humor. Torah has humor in it too. Our punishment is to be like God, to grow things and bring life into the world. That's the punishment at the end of the Garden of Eden. You know, Daniel Matt, who lives here in the Bay Area, he is the world scholar on Zohar, on Jewish mysticism. And he teaches that the mystical understanding is that we never left the Garden of Eden, that we're still in the Garden. But now we're partnering with God, trying to make our way forward, hoping to be those beings who will grow in blessing as we ourselves grow, and then bring blessing into the world. And so we begin this year anew. It is time for Breshit a new beginning of growth and hope, and to renew the work of making meaning in the short time we have in this world. Na'aseh Adam, how shall we make ourselves this year, is a question we are still asking. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat shalom.